Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. Maybe a long time uh, since some of us <laughs> have sung that song. But I can guarantee you that almost every single one of us in here knew that song. Right? For many of us, that could have been the very first song, especially if you grew up in a Christian home, in a church-going home, very first song that you ever learned to sing. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The love of God is something that's referenced a whole lot in Scripture, in a lot of churches. Our main slogan at Go Church, because of love. Not our love. Because of God's love. That message is around us a lot. But even though we refer to God's love and the love of God a whole lot, it's still something that many Christians misunderstand. And it's still something that many Christians and many people even doubt at times. For some, there's a struggle to believe that God does, in fact, really love them personally. Sure, I mean, God is love, but we know ourselves. We know our weaknesses. We know our flaws. We know our sins. We know the deep, dark depths of ourselves. And deep down, there may be doubts about the fullness of God's love for us. It's from this that we can be tempted to try to earn God's love or to think that somehow we could lose God's love. We often know that God loves us, but also feel that he's looking down with that kind of parental affection, but slightly raised eyebrows. Like, how are they still falling so short, so much? After all I've done for them. We know the truth, but oftentimes our hearts struggle. Our hearts could have been, yes, transformed. We have accepted Christ's love in the beginning and God's love, yes, but we still fall and the shoulders of our souls can often just droop down in the presence of God. In your bulletin today, and even on before, I mean, 10 minutes before the service probably, even what was on the slides um, was a different text than what we're going to be in today. I've been prepping for the past month and a half, maybe a little bit longer, to preach to you and to go over with you Hebrews 12 and running the race. Running the race. 
That's the text that I uh, turned in, so to speak. But since that time, God has placed heavily on my heart a different text and a different message on my heart. I can't run away from it. I can't say, okay, well, God, we'll do that next time. This time, I'm going to go with this safe route that I already have planned and we're good. Uh, I couldn't shut it off. So here we are today. Um, We're going to be completely different My heart kept turning back to God's love for us. God's love for sinners and the incredible love of God that Paul writes about in the book of Romans, Romans 5, 8. I cannot quiet my heart on this. So instead of Hebrews today, we'll be in Romans chapter 5. And that's the only slide you're going to have, so get used to seeing it. Um, And we'll talk about that, and we'll go through that. So real quick with me, let's read Romans 5, 8. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. One more time. But God proves his love for us in that while we, We're still sinners. Christ died for us. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much that we can be here to worship you this morning. I thank you so much that we can be here to study the text together this morning, to study the word together this morning. I pray that this morning... The text that you have placed on my heart recently, and the message you've placed on my heart these past couple of days, will just ring true. That I will not only pour out my heart today, but I will pour out your very heart as well. Now speak through me this morning. Show us your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Jonathan Edwards once wrote this, God's love is an ocean without shores and without bottom. God's love is an ocean without shores and without bottom. In my mind, there's no better way to show that than this verse. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It was when we, despite our oftentimes maybe smiles and pleasant personas, were running from God as fast as we could, building our own kingdoms and loving our own glory, drinking in the false pleasures of the world, repulsed by the beauty of God, and shutting up our ears at his calls to come home. It was then when we were God's very enemy. We were God's very enemy. It was then in that existence that the Prince of Heaven came down to earth, put himself in murderous hands, And had a plan 
to rinse muddy sinners clean and hug them into his own heart despite their attempts to scrub themselves clean on their own. Christ went down into death while we applauded as his enemies, so to speak. We could not have cared less for sinners and enemies. But even then, yet even then, Christ did not simply leave heaven for you, but he endured hell for you as well. He not, he not deserving to be condemned, took the punishment in my place, in your place. The ones who had every single reason to be condemned, he took that condemnation instead. Yet God's love is as boundless and limitless as God himself. A love so great that would even die for its enemies. I don't think I will fully ever understand that. The Bible even talks about that, right? I mean, sure, someone might give up their own life for someone that they love, but for their very enemy... Who does such a thing? Many of us, if our enemy was sick, wouldn't even fix a meal and take it to them, right? If our enemy was sick, most of us aren't even going to give them a phone call to check and see if they're okay. Many of us, if we're honest, might just be like, well, they're getting what they deserve. I'm glad. And yet God... looked at his very enemy. The one who was far away. The one who was filled with sin. And said, I'm going to send my son to die for them. Once again, I don't think I'll fully ever understand that. I have a son, Easton, who's eight years old. And I don't think there's anybody, even people that I love, that I would send my son to die for. Much less someone that hated me. Much less someone that was my enemy. And yet God said, yes, you are my enemy, but here is my son to die for you. That's a love I will never fully understand. But that's a love I will never fully stop being grateful for. Because it's a love that I do not deserve. It's a love that I have not earned and cannot earn. But a love that was given freely to me. That is the love of God. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Most of us have gotten a grasp on that part. I would assume, and I never know, I don't know your heart, only you could know your heart. But I would assume that the majority of us in this room today have already gotten to that point. I've already gotten to the point where we have accepted and acknowledged the love of Christ for us. We've gotten to a point where we have confessed our sins 
to God and accepted His forgiveness. We have gotten there. But I want you to listen real close. If God loved us back then at our absolute worst, when we were lost and messed up and had zero interest in Him, if then He would still send His Son to die for you, I want you to listen, then you have no reason to ever doubt God's love for you right now. You have no reason to doubt God's love for you now. If He loved you then... He still loves you now. Another great figure from church history, John Flavel wrote it this way, as God did not at first choose you because you were so high, he will not forsake you because you were low. God loved us in our mess then. And listen, He still loves you in your mess now. That is not an excuse to sin. Listen to me closely. I'm not telling you it's okay, just wallow in your mess. It's okay, don't try to to run from sin. Yes, do that. I'm not giving you an excuse to sin. Do not hear that today. I am not telling you that for you to sin, it's all good and it's all okay. Just wallow in that mess and you're fine. I'm not saying that. When you do sin, turn to God. Repent. Rehate sin all over again. But reject the lie that God's heart for you has grown a little colder and stiffer. If you are in Christ and only someone in Christ will be troubled at sinning against Christ, your waywardness does not threaten your place in the love of God. The hardest part has already been accomplished. Jesus has already died for you. And Jesus is okay being around the people who just can't seem to get their act together. Which is great news for us, because if we're honest, none of us can really ever seem to fully get our act together. If Jesus loves us like this, if God loves us like this, then shouldn't, as believers, we strive to love like that? as well. A right understanding of God's love should lead us to love others the way we have been loved. In fact, we are told that those who have received this love of Christ should love this way. It's not going to be up on your screen, but listen real close. In 1 John chapter 4, it says this, love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God so loved us in this way, we also must love one another. We must also love one another. 
we've often gotten this very wrong. We have wrongly got it in our heads that we have to have it all together. And even if we don't, we have to present the fake facade that we do have it all together. Oh, we can admit our general sins and our general failures, right? Our general flaws. I mean, everybody's a sinner, right? But when it comes to being real about what specifically we are struggling with, wrestling with, hurting over, well, then we often just tuck those away. If we came out with the truth about our struggles, our fears, our doubts, our sins, our failures, our questions, our worries then the church will condemn us, right? How could you do those things, you who have little faith? How could you act this way? How could you struggle in that way? The church will stop loving us if we shared our truth, right? But listen to me, that is not how God has called the church to love. That is not how God has called Christians to love one another. Once again, as Christians, we're not excusing sin. We're not condoning sin. But we're not ignoring our sin either. As Christians, we are confessing our sin, not just to God, but to one another, not so that we can condemn one another, but that so we can support one another, so we can help one another, so we can be there with one another. The call is to love one another, even when it's messy. To love one another, especially when it is messy. Maybe it's a recent diagnosis that shocks the group. Maybe cancer ravages the health of a young wife and a mother. Maybe it's an impending divorce on the horizon. Maybe a member is struggling with same-sex attraction and searches for ways to share their struggle. Maybe a single mom cries out for help with her teenage son. Maybe a young couple struggles to accept that they can't have biological children. Maybe the widow, married for more than six decades, searches for reasons to keep going on. Maybe a father of six children shares the news of his recent layoff. Life is hard and broken. And Christian cliches aren't going to cut it in an unavoidable messiness of realities. Christian community is messy. If our friends are plunging headlong into a dark place, someone needs to go after them. And we have no quick fixes for the deep wounds we face. Depression, anxiety, eating disorders, broken relationships, miscarriage, loneliness, unemployment, deteriorating health, wayward children, death of a parent, disability, the list goes on and on and on and on. Life is messy. And for some of us, that scares us to no end. Part of that fear comes from the fact that when we are scared, that if we get in the messiness of someone else's life, then people may start to see our messiness as well. That if we get into the honest conversations of someone else's struggles and heartache, then our struggles and heartache will start to reveal itself as well. And that makes us uncomfortable and that terrifies us. 
so many of us will step lightly into community, into Christian community, secretly hoping it will not get real and not get messy. We want good friends, loving community, an easy, comfortable, enjoyable conversation. But the reality is that every true Christ-centered community will have its difficulties. Christian community, by necessity and design, there's going to be struggles. There's going to be messiness. We are sinners. The world is broken, and yet God is at work. In the gospel story that God has written, his grace and love shine more beautifully than ever in the messiness of our lives. Be honest with one another. Get down into the muddiness and messiness of life with one another so that the love of God has a chance to be on full display. Wrestle with the difficult questions with one another. Cry with one another. Weep with one another so that really just see how big God is. So you can really see how big the love of Christ is in the middle of all that messiness, in the middle of the tears, in the middle of the heartache. God is there and God is huge. And God's love is there. The love of God shines through the brightest, through the tears and through the mess. In the darkest moments, the gospel of Jesus Christ shines its brightest and most brilliant. The irony is that we hide from it. We throw a rug kind of over the, the messiness of our life, over the vomit of our lives. That's in the middle of the room and try to hide it. We withdraw when our blood pressure starts to rise, when we recoil when our tempers flare we pull back when we've been offended we lean away when sin is exposed but in these moments we must battle our natural instincts and instead lean into one another it's not easy it's never easy but as we lean in together guided by the spirit and dependent on his grace and help god brings hope and healing in his own way I am not perfect. You're like, "Uh, that's no news to us, Tully. We know. Right. I am not perfect. Never have been. Never will be until I reach glory. I have a lot of struggles. I grew up giving in to a lot of sin. I grew up battling depression. My grandmother had depression, my dad was bipolar depressive, and I grew up, and still at times, if we're being honest, right, struggle with that. I have told many a lie in my life. I have run from God many a time in my life. And I have turned to all sorts of pleasures of the world. 
I am your family life, Pastor. But oftentimes, my family life is not something I would want you to mimic. There's many times where I don't lead my family the way that I should. There's many times where I don't lead them spiritually the way that I should. There's good seasons and there's bad seasons. There's many times where I don't love my wife, I don't love Michelle the way that I should. There's been many times where I haven't loved Michelle the way that I should have. That I haven't been there to support her, to encourage her, to help her grow. Where I haven't done those things. There's been good seasons. There's been bad seasons as well. I haven't been the dad that I should have been always. Haven't always led my children in family worship. Haven't always led my children to follow Christ. There's been times where I've been angry at my children, that I've raised my voice at my children in frustration and anger and sent them to their rooms where instead what they really needed was dad right there to talk to them. I've not been the perfect father. been good seasons there's been bad seasons and personally I have not always followed and trusted God the way that I should have I've had doubts of God's love for me over and over in my life I've had doubts of God's provision for me I've had fears and worries of what if God doesn't provide? What if God doesn't come through this time? What if God doesn't accept me back this time after I've gone out and chased after the pleasures of the world? I've had many times in my life where there was a lack of Bible study, where there was a lack of prayer time. There have been good seasons. There's also been bad seasons. As your family life pastor and as one of your pastors, I don't have it all together. As your family life pastor, I don't have all of my family life all together all the time. I don't. I am not perfect. And I never will be. But God's love for us always is perfect. Despite the messiness, despite the flaws, despite the failures, God's love is perfect. God's forgiveness is perfect. And just like a parent cleaning up the mess in the living room for the hundredth time that day, God is great 
at cleaning up our messes when we ask him, when we go to him, no matter how many messes we make. And I make a lot of them. His love shines brightly through the failures. So don't miss it. Don't turn a blind eye to it. Get down in the mud with one another. Love each other. Support one another the way we are called to. Be real with one another. Lean on one another. Support one another. Love like Christ. If your family life pastor can come up in front of you, in front of the entire congregation, and tell you that my family life isn't always all together, that I don't lead the way that I should often, then surely you can go to another brother or sister and confide in them about where your struggles are. And when someone does that, don't run from it. Love them like Christ has loved you. Where are you today? I'm not talking about in a school. I'm not talking about at Go Church, but where are you today? Like I said, majority of us have probably already taken that first step. The majority of us have probably already gone to Christ, experienced his love for us, confessed our sins to him, accepted his forgiveness. But there might be some in here who haven't. And if you haven't, that's your first step. To really fully experience the love of Christ for you. To really fully experience the love of God for you. That while you were his enemy, he died for you. Most of us have already taken that first step. But now, many of us, or maybe not many, but a lot of us may be in the point to where, yeah, we've, we've experienced God's love, but man, the stuff that I'm going through, man, the mistakes that I have made, how could God still love me? Let me assure you that he does. He has not given up on you. He is there with you in the mess, loving you. Lean on him. Also, let's lean on one another. You cannot walk this Christian life alone. You cannot. And just going over and having coffee with someone occasionally or going over to their house and sitting and, you know, watching their kids and talking about the weather and watching a sports game, that's not really leaning into one another. Be real with one another. Be honest with one another. Share your flaws with one another. And love each other through it. Just as Christ has loved us. Romans 8.38 says, I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, things to come, powers, height, depth, any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from his love. He loves you.
Let's pray. To God, thank you for loving us. Always. If you love us as your enemies, surely you love us now. Thank you for sending your son Christ to die for us. Show your love for us that way. The greatest love of all. God, none of us are perfect. All of us have flaws. All of us have heavy burdens that we are carrying. Help us to lay those burdens down at your feet. But then help us to confide and lean on one another as a Christian community. Not to run from the messiness of life, but to support one another. Not to condone sin, but to help one another through it. To cry with one another. To weep with one another. To truly love one another. Thank you for loving us that way. I'm thankful that you know every single tear that falls down our face. That you're, there, you're there with us in the toughest of times and in the best of times, but in the toughest of times, you are right there. Thank you for that. God, I pray if there's anybody here today that have not fully experienced your love, that they will do that. They'll realize how much you've loved them. Realize how you sent your son to die for them. And they would accept your forgiveness and confess their sins. I pray that all of us will never doubt your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Go Church's weekly sermon podcast. If you enjoyed the sermon, be sure to rate and review us. If you want to learn more about the ministry of Go Church or catch up on previous sermons, check out our website, www.gochurchpnw.com. You can also connect with Go Church on Facebook and Instagram.